uh, conviction right there to think if you were the only one, would you still be faithful to the Lord? I'm thankful that God has many others serving him, not just here and in this area, but all over. He has his churches, and I'm amazed. Matter of fact, I'm amazed with how many churches are even in the Pennsylvania area. I got an email about some meetings that were going on in some churches, and I thought, I wonder where that church is. Oh, it's only an hour up the road. Wow, I didn't know about that church. Matter of fact, there's three or four churches in the area within a couple hours from here that I didn't even know were there, independent fundamental Baptist churches. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm glad to be part of God's work, aren't you? First Thessalonians in our Bibles tonight, uh, chapter number 4. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. I'm going to take just a few minutes before we celebrate the Lord's Supper to look at two verses. Uh, there's some heavy stuff, not heavy, but it's all connected when you get to verse 3 through about verse number 8 or so. So we're just going to go to verse 1 and 2. And uh, I want to preach a message tonight that I have entitled, Desire Christ-likeness. In 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says that God told Solomon and Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon and he said in a dream, ask what I shall give thee. And you know that God, uh, Solomon, chose wisdom, and God was pleased with that. Let me ask you this question by way of introduction. What would be the one wish you would ask God for if God said, I'm going to give you one wish? Many in our day would ask for money. Give me money so I can take it easy and enjoy life. Many would ask for peace. Many would ask for maybe power, maybe to rule and control some might ask for fame in philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10 the apostle paul wrote this to the church of philippi that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings for really the ultimate goal of what being made conformable unto his death being like jesus i don't know what the apostle paul would would put on his list if he only had one request. But I'll bet you right up there at the top would be to be like Jesus. There's so many young people motivated by sports heroes. I'm not against sports. I think our society has taken it way out of control. But a sports hero, somebody that comes, and there's a, there's a number of them out there. You study some of them, and you'll see they come, came from poverty. Uh, one of the basketball players, uh, probably one of the great basketball players, if I understand it correctly, in our day, um, for his first practice, rode his bike. He was that down and out. And, um, and I'm, I admire individuals that go from what we might call nothing to something. Uh, but really, when we look at uh, the Word of God, there ought to be a desire in our heart somewhere <laughs> to be like Jesus. The Apostle Paul uses a phrase in our text. Let me just read verse 1 and 2, and then I'll call your attention to the phrase. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. And then he's going to do take some time and talk about the will of God, which is really sanctification, and deal with one of the biggest challenges in our day, and that is sexual sin. We're not going to get there tonight. We'll get there in two weeks, Lord willing. But I want you to see a little phrase in verse number one. And to please God, so ye would abound more 
and more. The idea of to excel or to keep growing in Christ-likeness, to keep growing into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to take a few minutes and just talk about that tonight, desiring Christ-likeness. Lord, we ask that you would meet with us. Lord, only you can speak to our hearts. Only you can change us into your image. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. And then, Lord, would you meet with us as we celebrate what you've done for us on the cross of Calvary. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your unconditional, unfailing love. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to see tonight as we look at the Word of God, Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness, number one, requires a determined walk. You're not going to be Christ-like unless you want to be Christ-like. Paul is admonishing this church. This church had a lot of good, we can read that in chapter 1. They had a lot of good characteristics. The word beseech there, obviously, and the word exhort have the idea of I'm encouraging you to abound more and more, to excel over and above. He wanted them to keep moving forward with their walk with God. You know, it seems that people get saved, and it seems like sometimes they get excited right out of the gate. And they say, well, I want to tell people, and and I want to get involved in church, and I want to get involved in, in, in the visitation program. I remember years ago, kidding with another preacher about somebody uh, way back in the day, and uh, they were all excited. And I kidded with them and said, yeah, they haven't been saved long enough to know that uh, you don't have to go soul winning on a regular basis. <laughs> it was just a joke. And sometimes, though, that's what happens. Sometimes we start out good and start out on fire for the Lord. And the Apostle Paul is encouraging this church to abound more and more, to keep growing into Christ's likeness. Don't allow, I can say it this way, the jets to be cooled off. The Apostle Paul told Timothy this, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. The idea is this, don't be content with where you are. There's a tendency for all of us to level off, to become complacent. But the reality is, if I'm not going to become complacent, if every day with Jesus is going to be sweeter than the day before, if I'm going to grow in Christ-likeness, I must determine that I'm going to do that, that that is going to be a priority with me. The Bible says this, Psalm 42, the psalmist said, As the heart of the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Nobody can thirst for God for you. Only you can thirst for God for you. How much do we desire to be like Jesus? In Psalm 63, this this psalmist wrote, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. There's a hunger in the heart of the psalmist. When I was preparing this, two songs came to mind, two hymns. The interesting thing about the two hymns that came to mind separately, one is not in our hymn book. It's a a song entitled, I Want to Be Like Jesus. Thomas Chislom wrote this, I have one deep, actually, let me talk to you a little about Thomas for a minute. Uh, He was born in Franklin, Kentucky in 1866. 
His boyhood was spent on a farm and teaching in district schools. He spent five years as editor of a local paper in Franklin. He was converted to Christianity at age 26. Soon after that, he became editor of the Pentecostal Herald of Louisville, Kentucky. In 1903, he entered the ministry. His aim was in, in his writing was to incorporate as much as scripture as possible and to avoid flippant or sentimental themes. He was serious about the things of God. And he wrote this song. I have one deep supreme desire that I may be like Jesus. What's your one supreme desire? To this I fervently aspire that I may be like Jesus. I want my heart is thrown to be so that a watching world may see his likeness shining forth in me. I want to be like Jesus. There's four stanzas. Let me read the fourth. O perfect life of Christ my Lord. I want to be like Jesus. My recompense and my reward, that I may be like Jesus. His spirit fill my hungering soul. His power all my life control. My deepest prayer. What is your deepest prayer? My highest goal. I want to be like Jesus. I thought of this song and I pulled it out and I thought, oh, Jesus song. Then I thought of another song. It, this one is in our hymn book. It's in our hymn book. It's hymn number 316. But you know what surprised me about hymn number 316 and the hymn that I just shared with you? They were written by the exact same guy. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. This guy really did have a hunger and a thirst to be like him. This hymn is entitled, Oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. What's your constant longing and prayer? We think about it. What is my constant longing and prayer? What is the deep desire of my heart? Is it really to be like Jesus? This was his longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Well, I'll forfeit anything. I just want to be like Jesus. Stanza 2 talks about compassion and humility in stanza 3. Uh, stanza 4. Let me, let, me, let me read you stanza 5. Oh, to be like thee while I am pleading. Pour out thy spirit, fill with thy love. Make me a temple, meet for thy dwelling. Oh, he understood the indwelling spirit of God that lives in him. A temple, meet for thy dwelling. Fit me for life in heaven above. The chorus, oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image deep on my heart. There was no question concerning the writer of these two hymns. What was his deep desire in his heart? It was to be like Jesus. You'll never be like Jesus unless you determine to be like Jesus. Unless you say, hey, I am determined. Young people will determine that they're going to be like basketball player whoever or football player whoever. And they'll start as a young person, and some people are naturally gifted, and they'll try to emulate that individual. Most, by the way, don't make it to the pros. Few do. But you know what? If we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to have to determine in our hearts and minds, Lord, I want to be like you. 
and I am going to make conformity to Christ abounding, excelling more and more. I'm going to make that a priority in my life. Number two, we look at our two scriptures here. Not only does it require a determined walk, it requires a dependent walk. Look at the phrase in verse number one. I beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. In order to be like Christ, we need him, right? When you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God moved in, the person of the Christ, the Holy Spirit of God moved in. And he rolled up his sleeves, can we say, and began the work of conforming you to the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is an aspect of that that we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in being conformed to his image. The power to abound more and more comes from the power of the indwelling Christ in us. In John chapter 15 and verse 5, you're familiar with this. Matter of fact, while I quote, read this, turn to John 17 and we'll look at our Lord's Prayer that includes us. In John 15 and verse 5, Jesus said this, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do what? Ye can do nothing. The Christian life, God designed it for us to be God dependent, dependent upon him. In John chapter number 17, we looked at this a few Wednesdays ago. This is really the Lord Jesus praying. He lifts up his eyes, verse 1, and he prays to the Father. And in verse number 9, let me just call out a couple of scriptures here. He says this, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. In verse number 11, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. In John chapter, in verse number 13, he says this, that they might, verse 13, the latter part, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse number 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one. When we look at his prayer in John 17, we see a union with the Jesus and God the Father. And Jesus did what he did here on earth in dependence upon God the Father. As a matter of fact, in the book of Luke, you will find a number of passages of Scripture. You can write them down. I'll try to just be brief because we want to have the Lord's Supper here. In the book of Luke, we see a tremendous illustration of the Lord Jesus talking to God the Father. We see that dependence, that communion. In Luke chapter number 5, the Scripture says... He withdrew, in verse number 16, he withdrew himself to pray. In Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12, by the way, we're going to attempt this. I think it's in August with our men. One of the deacons said, hey, I've never been part of an all-night prayer meeting. Can we have one? And I said, sure. And I think it's in the calendar somewhere in August or some, sometime. We can do it sooner if you want. That's fine with me. Luke 6 and verse number 12. I'll put Scott in charge of it. That's fine with me. Anytime you want, it's got to be. Scott has been involved in a number of all-night prayer meetings, he said. So that's great. And his age has nothing to do with where we are now. I'm sure it'll just come back to him. Luke 6 and verse 12. 
Jesus prayed all night to God. All night. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 18, the scripture says, He was alone praying. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 28 and 29, He went to a mountain to pray. In, in Luke 18 and verse 1, we're encouraged men ought always to pray and not to faint. In Luke 22 and verse 41, the Bible says he withdrew a stone cast and did what? And he prayed. You see, Pastor, why are we talking about this? Because Jesus connected with God the Father. If I am going to be like Christ, I've got to spend time with him. It's funny how children take on the looks all right. Well, they, they're born with the looks, maybe, but as they get older, they kind of look more and more, right, of the parents. Uh, we were somewhere, I was talking, I guess, to my brother-in-law, and he was telling me how much Raylan reminded him of my daughter, Sarah. Interesting. She's just one, and already he says, hey, there's a similarity. Now, that's obviously someone that's genetic, right? But when you spend time with people, you become like people. Now, obviously, the Lord Jesus was perfect. So he was perfect in, in his humanity, right? But the reality is, if we will stay connected and dependent upon the Christ that lives in us, we will become conformed to his image. Colossians 1 and verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul told the church at Galatians there, at Galatia, not I, but Christ liveth in me. The songwriter said this, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. You see, it's a dependent walk. And Paul appeals to this church by the Lord Jesus the way that abounding and more and more and excelling more and getting closer and growing in Christ's likeness is going to take the enablement of the Christ that lives in you. God will conform us to his image if we will allow him to do so. Number three, a determined walk a dependent walk, but I want you to see thirdly, Christ-likeness requires a definite walk, a definite walk. Verse number one, look at the phrase here. He says, how you ought to walk, actually, by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God. In verse two, Ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. A definite walk. A walk that is in accordance to what God wants. What pleases God. If we're going to move forward in Christ's likeness, we need to walk in daily dependence, but we need to put into our lives what will help us. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 13, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Look at Ephesians. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter number 4. The idea is this. The idea is putting into my life what, of course, pleases God and what's going to help me spiritually. You know, there are things that you can bring or allow into your life that aren't going to help you at all spiritually. 
Paul told the church here at Ephesus, obviously they had been saved and uh, the Spirit of God lived in them. And he challenges them in verse number 22 of chapter number 4. He says this, that you just get a running start and look at verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Gentiles and how they walk in the vanity of their mind and how they gave themselves to that which didn't matter. He says, but ye have not so learned Christ, verse 21, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Christ, Jesus, it's in Jesus, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in your spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. What's he saying? You're saved now. You're not going to pattern your life after the Gentiles who are living for vanity. Hey, you're not going to. You're in the world, but you're not going to be of the world. So put off the old man. Put off the things of the world that you used to do and the places that you used to go and the music and whatnot that you used to listen to. Change your thinking. Renew your mind. Think biblically. Think in a biblically way and do what? And put on the new man. The things that are going to help you spiritually. The things that are going to help you to draw nigh to God. You can choose whatever music you listen to. If Paul was talking to us tonight, he would say this. Choose to listen to music that's going to help you spiritually. And you know, sometimes we listen to music that hinders us spiritually. And you say, well, what kind of music is that? The Spirit of God lives in you. And I'm convinced that this whole matter of separation would be a lot easier on us if we were just honest with God about where we are. If we were honest with ourselves and we were honest with God. Look, you say, well, what, what do I watch? Do you know you can choose what you watch, what movies you watch, what TV you watch, whatever. You can choose what you allow in. You have a choice. And I think if we'd be honest with God and honest with ourselves and say, is this helping me? This is not helping me spiritually. Then this has to go. But we have a tendency to do this. Well, Brother Talbot, I mean, he led the singing tonight. I mean, he's just a spiritual giant. And, uh, boy, he listens to this, or he watches this. We won't worry about somebody else. Don't worry about what someone else listens to, what someone else watches, where someone else goes. You know, it used to be, and, of course, I should, should I say this or not? I could open up a big can of worms. I can't close it, all right? I'll open it up, but I'm not going to close it. You'll have to catch me later. It used to be. When I was a kid, matter of fact, I told someone this recently. I have never been to the movie house, the movie theater. I've never been. Never been in my life. My parents, and back when I was a kid, churches would preach against going to the movies. They would preach against it. And, uh, and so I guess now things are shifting and changing, and I don't know. Uh, I, was telling, I was telling somebody, he said, you know what? My mom, she's in heaven. And I wouldn't want the ground in her grave to be rolling over for me to go to. Hey, the, the reality is this. You don't just say, hey, we go because someone else goes. Oh, I've been in situations where people have said that. They said, well, so-and-so in the church, they do this, and they're godly people. And so because they do this and they're godly people, we're going to do this. I don't see that in the Bible. I see us saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? 
What is going to help me spiritually? And there's a lot of things that we allow in our lives that don't really help us spiritually, but we like it. We say, hey, I like this. And we hold on to things, and we wonder why sometimes our Christ-likeness, like a roller coaster, we wonder sometimes why uh, things come out. Where did that come from? Where did that word come from? Hey, and often it comes from the influences that we allow in our lives. Paul told the church at, uh, at Philippi there, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure, and you know the list. Think on these things. If you look at the book of Colossians, and we don't have time to, uh, to turn there, Colossians chapter number 3, mortify, basically mortify the old man. Mortify, put to death the old things. Hey, and do what? Put on righteousness. There are things that we can listen to and watch and places to go and people to hang around. I mean, it feels a whole aspect that are going to help us spiritually or going to hinder us spiritually. And I'll tell you this, sometimes it's, it's family or friends that we have to recognize either I'm going to impact them or I'm not going to get with them. <laughs> because when I get with them, I feel pulled down spiritually. Christ-likeness. It comes when we are uh, 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 specific and we say, hey, I want to bring in to my life that which is going to help me to become like Jesus. A definite walk. There are things that, by the way, you can choose what podcasts you listen to. Now, there's good ones out there that are secular and there are spiritual. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to always uh, be, be listening to, to the spiritual ones. But sometimes if our, um, our, our, what is the thing that holds podcasts, phone? I don't know. The folder, if it's full of secular ones, we might want to say, hey, maybe I should listen to a few spiritual, right? The aspect even hiding the word of God in our heart. There are apps when you can listen to, you know what, when you get ready, you can listen to the scripture if you want. There's a lot more uh, good that we can put in to help us to be like Jesus probably than we realize. And Paul says to this church, look, you, you know how, and I want you to keep, I want you to keep growing. And, and shouldn't we be closer today? Shouldn't today, shouldn't today be the closest we've ever been to God, ever? You say, wait a minute, oh, whoa. I mean, a couple of years ago, I was really close to God. Well, what happened? He didn't move. Every day with Jesus should be sweeter than the day before. Hey, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper tonight. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Our desire tomorrow ought to be as close to God as I've ever been. And that desiring Christ-like on the list of goals in your mind and heart, put down Christ-likeness. Is there a determination to be like Christ? I want to be like Jesus. Are we choosing to depend on him to enable us, abide in him? Are we putting into our life what's going to help us to become like Jesus. Decisions we make on a daily basis can help or can hinder in our walk with the Lord. Paul told this church, I want you to abound, abound more 
and more. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we love you today. Lord, I thank you for two scripture verses you put in there concerning our desire to be like Christ. Lord, would it be our heart to be like Jesus, to abound more and more. Lord, sometimes we have to really think, is today the day I'm the closest to God I've ever been? Lord, would that be our goal? Lord, I ask that you would meet with us tonight, time of invitation. And then, Lord, as we celebrate what you've done for us to make us more like you, your body was broken, your blood was shed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder this evening, did the Spirit of God take truth and show you a need in your life? And you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God's working in my heart. Can I see your hand across the altar and pray for me?